Welcome to What Consumers Want, the podcast that brings the voice of the consumer to the healthcare conversation. Are you interested in getting outside the healthcare echo chamber? Using research and insights, we'll explore key healthcare opportunities through the eyes of the end consumer. We examine trends outside of healthcare that are driving consumer expectations, as well as what consumers expect from brands now and in the future. This podcast is brought to you by MDRG, a market research firm that unlocks the whole mind for deeper insights. I'm your host, Stephanie Douglas, and let's find out what consumers want. All right, so let's get started. In today's podcast, we're going to deep dive into consumer experience. You heard that right. I said consumer, not patient. So in our recent 2022 State of Healthcare Experience Study, We found that the systems that were really doing well and focusing on the consumer, they called it the consumer, not the patient. So in this podcast, we're going to hear from consumers. We're going to hear about their biggest challenges, and we're going to go in-depth with Auctioner Health and Dispatch Health, two systems that are definitely doing it right, on how they're prioritizing the consumer throughout their organizations. Finally, we'll hear from MDRG's own consumer strategist, Lauren McCabe, who discovers that baby boomers are not who we thought they were, and their behavior in the consumer marketplace might be worth a second look. But first, we went out to the public and asked them their biggest pain point when it comes to their healthcare experiences. I'm sure a bunch of you guys already know what we heard, but let's hear what consumers want. The most difficult part of going to the doctor today is we spend a lot more time explaining symptoms to nurses and scheduling people. The most painful part of going to the doctor is actually getting through to the doctor's office to make arrangements or get a follow-up. The most difficult part is scheduling because you don't know how long you're going to be sitting there waiting for the doctor to take you back. The worst part about going to the doctor for me would be the waiting time. Yeah, I don't think there was any surprise there that the waiting room is one of the biggest pain points in the healthcare consumer experience. I feel like that comes up every time we do any kind of study. But with so many industry and operational challenges to contend with, how are systems addressing these concerns? What can we learn from disruptors in the same space? MDRG's president and founder, Sandra Brown, explored these topics with Jennifer Bollinger, senior vice president and chief consumer officer of Ostra Health, and Andrea Peterson, chief growth officer for Dispatch health in our next segment. Before we dive in, I'd like to offer a little bit of a background on how we came to be here as a panel today. We have seen the escalation of customer experience and patient experience as a priority, especially as telehealth boomed during the pandemic, and then the subsequent changes that have resulted in patient expectations have really made patient experience and customer experience a priority across the industry. And what we've come to really understand is that if health systems do not create experiences that rival that of tech and retail, they are going to be left behind as other industries are more than willing to supply the growing demand. So at MDRG, we really wanted to understand how the industry was prioritizing customer experience and how different data sources were used in that response. And so, you know, we're researchers, of course, so we decided to conduct a study. So over the past two months, I have been interviewing leaders at both systems and disruptors to better understand how those organizations are executing on customer experience, and more specifically, the role that the voice of the consumer or the voice of the customer 
plays into those conversations and the initiatives across their organizations. I've interviewed over 20 different senior leaders, some of our clients like Jennifer here at Auctioner Health, as well as other new connections like Andrea. The response has been outstanding and it really made us anxious to invite others into the conversation. So I'd like to get started with Jennifer and have you just talk a little bit about the position that you're in at Auctioner Health and how you and how you arrived there. How has that position developed at Auctioner Health? Thank you. So I have been at Auctioner uh, for 10 years and over the course of that time, the patient experience has always been foundational to the work that we do, especially when we're delivering care, but also in building digital connectivity with our patients. And we had a pretty robust work group around it, but in 2018, our CEO asked me to come up and join his team because we knew the landscape was shifting around us and we knew we were gonna have to move faster on making some of the changes to really meet those consumer expectations that our patients have. So interestingly though, it's definitely been built from the ground up. Day one, I didn't really have any team. I didn't have, there wasn't like a playbook or a strategic plan. It was all new. And so huge shout out certainly to Sandra and MDRG. There were a lot of phone calls to really help me think through it because I knew it had to be grounded in the voice of the customer. I knew we weren't doing enough to bring that into how we were redesigning, designing, rethinking. So there's been tremendous amount of momentum around it. So we're, we're kind of really working to move from just focusing on traditional patient experience to thinking about the end-to-end -end journey. And it's similar to product design almost, but it's really service design. And, you know, it's been really exciting to kind of gain that momentum over the four years. Excellent. Thanks, Jennifer. Andrea? Hi, thank you. So I've been here at Dispatch Health about four and a half years and my background before that was about almost 10 years at Health Grades, and my job there was to really create the digital footprint there to help consumers really make a very informed decision about which physician and which hospital, specifically for the most complicated cases, and really raise the, the confidence and improve outcomes over time. And before that, I've been involved in a series of digital media properties that were really always at the front end of really being disrupted by the consumer. The first of those was in online car buying. Then I ran MapQuest for a number of years in there. So I was sort of maybe an unlikely person to end up in the, in the healthcare world. But what I've been able to bring to it is kind of that knowledge of, you know, what are the predictors of consumerism? What predicts a great experience? What things do you have to control? And two concepts that I'm really interested in here and the reason I came here to a really a, a tech-enabled provider organization is that I believe that the experience equals the outcome here. The experience of having care in your home equals a better outcome. And the second thing I would say is that I, it'll surprise you to know this, but as Chief Growth Officer, I think about the experience as probably my most powerful growth driver for the growth of our business and for the impact we make on outcomes and, and medical cost savings. That's great. Yes. And I will say, Andrea, that in my interviews, this notion of experience equal to outcome was very loud and clear. And, and particularly in talking to some of the disruptors and the really importance of thinking about the user experience and the voice of the consumer, which kind of brings us to my next question. And I want to start with Jennifer. So at the start of this role in 2018, and I know that you know, the voice of the consumer, the voice of the patient has always been at the forefront for Auctioner. But how did you use 
the voice of the consumer or the voice of the customer, whatever nomenclature we want to use, to identify where do you start? It was a brand new position. So how does how did that factor in? So, like I said, I really needed that to be foundational. And we have no shortage of data at this organization. I mean, there's plenty of things that are tracked, but I really needed to figure out what mattered the most so I could identify where the friction was, where the big friction was, or where there was too much effort on behalf of the consumer. And then, obviously, working with MDRG, fielding what I call, and I still call, agile studies. So, not massive studies that take months. I just really wanted to get to our patients and ask them about the friction and how they needed it solved. Because typically, you know, we will design for ourselves and not always bring the voice of the customer to the table. So things like when and how do they want a referral booked? When and how do they want, do they need better tools, uh, to Andrea's point, on matching with the right provider? What is it that would solve the long waits in waiting rooms for them? I mean, these are things that most health systems struggle with. And I really, if we were going to redesign it, I wanted it to be super informed directly from direct primary research from our, with our patients. You know, one of the things that I would give a big shout out to Jennifer is that she pushed us as her research partner to really look outside of industry as well, not just to be looking within healthcare, but to be looking at best in class, regardless of industry. And I think that has been a lot of the success of the work that Jennifer has had. It's, you know, in the work that she's done. Yeah, just real quick to add on, I would say that's one of the how I've gotten um, sort of buy in is to I mean, everyone at this organization is a consumer outside of healthcare, And so just giving examples of the consumer experiences that are driving expectations that they're bringing into us helps a lot. You know, things like airlines and restaurants. And I mean, it, you know, it's happening much faster in other industries and we've got to move faster as well. That's great. So Andrea, I love your perspective. You know, how does or how did the voice of the customer help you identify gaps or really inform growth areas for Dispatch Health and how has that evolved? For us and, and for me specifically, the organization's always been wired around uh, net promoter score and uh, employee net promoter score. So the satisfaction of the patient and the provider, because the interaction between those two people happen in the very intimate space of someone's home, that dynamic is very different and you wanna measure both those things. So we start there. But the interesting thing about what we've been trying to do in all the time that I've been here is that there are a lot of hurdles that sit between someone and their decision to accept a totally different kind of healthcare. It might sound great that it feels convenient, it's on demand, it's on a day when I need it, and you're going to treat me right on my sofa at my dining room table or in my bed if I'm quite ill. But think about the number of hurdles that you have to go through. So what, what has really helped us is studying and digging into those obstacles and, and hurdles and really trying to understand not just what they are, because they're obvious. How much does it cost? Who comes? What are your capabilities? Are three obvious ones, but more what's going to be relevant to the consumer in choosing us over a different alternative? 
and how might we best overcome those obstacles in language and digital experiences in how we conduct the visit itself you know it, it's it's a very different thing to treat a patient on their own turf and we have a set of you know training and expectations for our providers about how do you enter someone's home but it changes the entire dynamic so the things that you want to study are the things that before, during, and after the visit to be able to understand how to overcome the obstacles to both accepting our biggest issue is accepting this as the alternative of physically getting in a car, getting an ambulance and going somewhere. And then it's just all of the ticking and tying of what is that experience? And it's, it's there are very interesting things. Asking to remove your shoes, taking any waste with us when we leave. All those kinds of things may seem very specific, but they go a long way to overcoming the hurdles or questions in the, in the patient's mind to earn the right to be able to enter that household and treat that patient again. Yeah, I like that concept of earn the right because that is what is required. Tell us about the I Love You score. So we have, um, you know, one of the things that we do, we've, we've developed a, a system of care for the home and we started with acute care visits and we have expanded in the last couple of years to be able to provide an alternative to a hospital stay for certain diagnoses and for certain patients. And in the process of, of caring for someone in a very intense way over, let's say, three, five, seven days in their home, we developed something called the I Love You Score. And this was something our providers in that team came up with. The first time that a patient told our team that they loved them, it became kind of a challenge to say, maybe that is really the advanced care version of the NPS score. It speaks to the quality of the relationship. And we even have a contract that we basically sign between the patient and our teams before we admit someone for an alternative to a hospital stay in their home. And but the outcome of it is, did, did we earn the right? Did we earn the trust? Did we take such good care of someone that they think of us like a family member? And the nature of the patients we take care of tend to be very complex, often end of life. And so we're in a unique position to help create space for some of the conversations that in a more clinical setting are less comfortable to have and that people will be a little bit less forthright in having them. And I think all of those things lead to the I love you score. So it's now something we track in, in every visit at the close of that in-home alternative to a hospital stay, did the patient say to our team, I love you. I mean, you can imagine how satisfying that is as a caregiver to be able to hear that from someone that you've been taking care of. Exactly. Jennifer, where do you believe that health systems have an advantage and what are the challenges of some of the new market entrants like a dispatch health, all the other disruptors that are out there? So let's speak from the health system perspective first. Yeah. So I think Andrea already kind of hit on it, but I do think one of the benefits that Auctioner has and many health systems have is we already have that trust and a relationship. In fact, I know for our patients, we ran a study that really asked them about why they stay sticky to Oshner. And number one is the relationship and the trust. The next three or four were actually some of our self-service digital capabilities. So it's just interesting, you know, it's kind of both are important, but the trust and that relationship you know, it's hard to disrupt that, which is helpful. And I would say, you know, for new entrants, healthcare is hard. It's really hard, the complexities. And I think, you know, with so many options, that's actually probably contributing a little bit to consumer confusion. 
not knowing how to stitch that together for themselves. It's something that they look to health systems to help them do. I mean, we since we own the continuum, we have to do better at helping people navigate. And sometimes that will be to something outside of what we offer, but really helping stitch that together. But I, I just think for new entrants, trying to gain that trust, trying to build the infrastructure to really scale effectively and under, I mean, healthcare is just a hard place to make money. So it's just hard. <laughs> yep. Let's start with Andrea on this next question. And that is, how do you envision a successful partnership between health systems and disruptors in this larger health care ecosystem? So I think, you know, first off, as I mentioned, you know, for dispatch health, but really anyone who's providing a, you know, an innovative service that might be harder to develop within the health system, I think it's acknowledging that there's like a different set of problems that you have to go solve or opportunities that you have to solve, like in our case, in trying to deliver care to the home. You can't really take the ways that workflows in the health system, but in the four walls of a hospital or on a campus or even across all the clinics and expect that you can just apply a little bit of intelligence around that and deliver care as effectively. You have to completely turn everything upside down and think about it differently. So the best partnerships are the ones that respect what the health system is really good at. There is medicine that we can practice in the home that we can provide a better outcome at a lower cost by doing it in the home. So it's, it's respect of the things that are going to be unique to what each partner brings to the equation. When you have so many places that you could focus, how do you determine what your priorities are from a customer experience standpoint? So right or wrong, when I first took this on, I decided I would focus on the areas where patients act most like consumers. So the first couple of years have been super heavily focused in our clinics, especially in like primary care, peds, women's, urgent care, all those places where consumer expectations are higher. We are now moving into some of the more complex specialties to help them dig in and really understand because I think a lot of complex specialties have front door services that we haven't traditionally thought of as, you know, ways that people come in and first experiences things like dermatology or ophthalmology or, you know, those are all surgical services. And it's like, well, no, not all of it. So I think, you know, we there's a lot of understanding on the low acuity. And then now we're kind of moving into more complex, but still focused on what I call front door services. Well, thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Andrea. Have a great day, everyone. My favorite part about that panel conversation was having both a provider and a disruptor discussing the importance of treating a patient as a consumer. I really think and can already see in the industry that partnership is the play for both types of organizations moving forward. But now I want to introduce you to our segment outside the echo chamber. So in this segment, we're going to bring to light non-healthcare insights and hopefully give our listeners an opportunity to think, what if? What if we did things differently? What if we open ourselves to ideas and trends outside of our immediate universe? Today, consumer strategist Lauren McCabe dives into the boomer generation and how their life 2.0 mentality is far from the aging out perception that follows them. Welcome to Outside the Echo Chamber, where we examine how larger consumer trends filter down to impact healthcare. I'm Lauren McCabe, consumer and brand strategist at MDRG. And today I wanna talk about baby boomers, arguably one of the most misrepresented generations in modern day brand marketing. 
Stylist Trends Intelligence Platform has dubbed this group the new boomers, a generation that is, quote, living longer, feeling more liberated, and prioritizing health and fitness. The bottom line is that baby boomers expect to live longer, up to 100, and they see retirement as life 2.0, so a time to pursue passions, interests, and maybe even have entirely different careers. The problem is, however, this kind of zest for life is rarely captured in brand marketing. A 2018 study reported by Thrive found that 73% of consumers, 55 and older, feel marketers do not engage them effectively. In fact, boomers are often lumped in with elders, with ads displaying kind of docile images of retirement, moments of quietude. I always imagine kind of a silver-haired couple sitting on a bench uh, gazing at the mountains, when this couldn't be further from the case. So a few things to note, boomers are working longer, and they're even pursuing entirely different careers. In fact, a British insurance company called Saga has started to introduce a grandparents' parental leave policy for employees because they see them working longer and taking time off to connect with the next generation. Another thing to note is that adults 65 plus are embracing online advertising and shopping. This is a relatively new trend that was pushed forward by the pandemic. In January 2021, the Washington Post reported that adults over 65 are now the fastest growing category of e-commerce shoppers. And additionally, a 2019 study by Marketing Charts found that consumers age 65 plus are more apt to click on video ads on Facebook and Instagram than younger generations. In fact, significantly more. The bottom line is that boomers are adopting and embracing tech. However, they really do need it to be uncomplicated. And so making sure that you are making platforms and experiences intuitive to them could go a long way. So what does all of this mean for healthcare brands? I think the first thing is to re-examine how you as a healthcare brand are represented boomers. Looking at key messages that acknowledge their shift in life expectancy, passions, and their involvement in raising um, the next generation to really help you improve some of your marketing. Another thing is to embrace boomer-friendly technology and digital advertising. Dietizement. So while social media platforms are seeing a different performance with younger generations, this is really not the case with boomers. There's still a lot of opportunity on those platforms. However, your messaging and imagery must be reflective of this aspirational time. The bottom line is boomers are some of healthcare's greatest users and spenders. And so finding the right way to engage them will be essential for the longevity of the system into the future. All right, you guys, thanks so much for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please share, rate, and review on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting platform. For more content about simplifying healthcare, visit mdrginc.com. That's mdrginc.com. This show is produced by Shift Forward Health, the channel for change makers. Subscribe to Shift Forward Health on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be subscribed to our entire library of shows. See our full lineup at shiftforwardhealth.com. One subscription, all the podcasts you need, and it's all for free. We'll see you next time on What Consumers Want.